Welcome to If This Bar Could Talk and our limited series on cocktail modifiers. Alkademics.com defines a cocktail modifier as a cocktail ingredient, usually alcoholic and typically fortified wine or a liqueur, that both softens the base spirit and adds flavor to the drink. In this series, we'll talk to the experts, bar professionals, and regular folks like us to better understand what modifiers are and how to use them. Next up, Amari. Hi, um, my name is Olivia Sirio. I am the Italian Spirits Portfolio Ambassador for Campari America. So the brands I get to work on are Campari and Aperol, Braulio, Averna, Chinar, and the Cinzano family. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about Amaro today. It's my favorite thing to talk about, which is why I'm in this job. So I'm really happy to be here today. But um, it's such a, a, a mysterious category with so much history. And so there's a lot of different directions that we can go when we talk about Amaro. But I like to go all the way back to its inception, the very beginning, um, going all the way to ancient Rome. So nobles would imbibe like herb-infused wine for restorative properties. And then in the Middle Ages, monks swapped that wine for alcohol. And then by the 1800s, Amaro was being sold in pharmacies and, um, you know, as a health tonic all across Italy. So I think it's important to talk about some of the production with Amaro as well. Um, And just like an overview on Amari is plural for Amaro. And they are herbal liqueurs made from botanicals that contain bitter ingredients. And generally, Amaro botanicals are made up of crude plant material. So leaves, flowers, fruits, seeds, roots, um, and no pun intended, the stems from the age of antiquity when Amaro liqueurs were, as I mentioned, used as potions um, believed to have medicinal qualities. So whether to stimulate the appetite or help somebody digest or treat a number of ailments. Um, And then over time, they sort of shed their curative connotations and were mellowed with like fruits and sweet botanicals. So think vanilla, aniseed, licorice, star anise, of course, sugar. And it's really important to talk about these botanicals and the way that they're prepped because um, the most important process of Maro production is steeping and infusion of botanicals. So a lot depends on how the herbs are prepared. They're not usually used whole, but either crushed or ground or pressed according to the consistency of the herb and the, the principles to be extracted. Um, and like I said, they gained presence in the early days through pharmacopoeia, but their production was also commonly linked to monks and being made in abbeys. And today, Amari can be found on store shelves all over the world. Um, It's having a huge resurgence. So it's really exciting to see. It's a great time for us specifically as well. And we have a lot of the really staple brands and a lot of the really widely distributed brands. So great for people to get to know our brands um, wherever they live. It's important to note is that these recipes have been like very closely guarded by families for centuries, generations. Um, Of course, production methods have changed with technology and with the growth of these brands. Certain things like the way that they are colored have been changed um, as necessary as they grow. But um, we know that they're a great companion to food. Um, You know, I can't claim on paper that they are good for you, of course, but I, after a great meal, always feel better after drinking some Amaro meat as a digestive. I just walk away feeling more refreshed and less like kind of you know, weighted down. So we have uh, an incredible lineup of Amari in our portfolio. Averna is our Amaro Averna Sicilian liqueur. And this 
was originally created. Um, it goes all the way back to uh, the Benedictine monks, and they had a recipe that we believe was created originally in 1854 and gifted to um, a generous benefactor of their church named Salvatore Averna. And he was like a textile merchant, and he was a very wealthy man, and he was very generous to this Pacific Abbey. And so they gifted him this recipe. And in 1868, he created a production facility in Caltanissetta to expand the recipe beyond just the small quantity that it was being made in. And in the 1900s, his son, Francesco, took the brand and kind of began to expand it. So he was visiting world fairs and moving all around Italy and talking about Amaro Verna and the delicious flavors and the Sicilian influence on this brand. And his um, you know, it, went, it worked out really well. It became a household name. And in by 1912, one of the highest honors ever could have been bestowed was they had approved the use of the coat of royal arms on their label. And it's one of the first Amari that ever happened with. So it was a huge honor. And that really kind of gave them this notoriety. And then by 1920, Francesco's wife, um, Anna Maria Averna, took over. So she ruled the company after the Great War, and she's the one who started distribution in the USA. So she really kind of pioneered exporting this brand and creating a larger presence and making it more well-known. And then in 2014, Campari purchased the brand, and now it's still the same recipe. It's very closely guarded. The people who make it um, have no idea what the mix of herbs and botanicals are that they're using. It's completely by a guided weight system. So it's very hush-hush. Only very few people know the recipe, if more than one. So the main flavors that you get from Averna um, are specifically to kind of highlight that, that Sicilian terroir. So there's white pomegranate, a lot of Sicilian orange, orange zest, um, and you'll get a lot of different like hints of Mediterranean herbs and some balanced licorice notes, a lot of orange, obviously very prevalent in Sicily. And it has like a really... Uh, Mediterranean botanical kind of infusion scent. So you'll have a lot of myrtle and juniper and rosemary and sage, a lot of aromatic resins like that. I'm wearing my Chinar t-shirt, my personal favorite. <laughs> so Chinar is of the Carciofo um, family within the Amaro umbrella. And this means that its primary ingredient is um, some form of artichoke. And Chinar is actually one of our youngest brands. A lot of these brands we talk about being in, in from the 1800s. Chinar was actually created in 1952 by Angelo Dalle Mole. And he was a Venetian entrepreneur and a philanthropist and... Um, so he created this brand and the name is for the artichoke, um, Chinara. So that's where Chinara gets its name. And um, it became really popular in the 1960s from 1960 to 1980s because it was doing all of this incredible advertising, which was still pretty new to the alcohol world and very creative. What's the flavor profile of Chinara? Really herbaceous, really vegetal, like dark, deep, earthy, but also a little bit light on the palate and it doesn't finish too, too long. So it's like on the middle, I would say, of the bitterness scale too. Um, so I don't think of things as less or sweet or, or more sweet. I think of them as less bitter or more bitter. And I kind of find Chinar to be in the middle, but that's just my palate. But it does really well with um, agave spirits and cocktails because it has that sort of like grassy, um, vegetal note. So tell us about Braulio. 
Raulio. Yes. I know I keep saying I have to figure out which one is my actual favorite because I think I keep doing this on each one. I'm like, oh, my favorite. But I already said that about Chinar. Um, so Braulio is our Amaro Alpino, Alpino. And Braulio was is probably one of the most interesting brands, I think, in our portfolio because of its deep and rich history dating all the way back to 1826. There's a gentleman named Giuseppe Poloni who opened a pharmacy. And this was in the main street of Bormio, which is a beautiful town all the way on the Italian border, basically in the Alps. So really a mountainous region. It's a tiny little beautiful, very idyllic village. And um, he had this pharmacy there. And his son, Francesco, was a chemist who had a passion for botany. And they began experimenting with infusion. And so I mentioned that these were medicinal tonics that, you know, you had to get a prescription for sometimes. And so Braulio was one of these tonics that was being served in this pharmacy and being used um, for all different types of reasons. And it has a lot of obviously alpine notes. And so you're going to get a lot of juniper and sage and fresh berry and a lot of pine, obviously. And it's just a breath of fresh air as if you were walking through um, a mountain range. And this specifically is indicative of this region in Italy. So the way the place that Bormio is kind of rested in is in a national park. And there is a Mount Braulio, which this liquid is specifically named after. So it's meant to invoke evoke that sense of um, mountain region, fresh air, everything that that everything that grows there on that mountain should be reflected in this. And what are some of the notable flavors in Braulio? Absolutely. It's like a breath. There's like tons of mint and lemon balm and every, you just, if you can close your eyes and take a, a great smell in, you can be transported. <laughs> People are doing really creative things with Braulio, but it is best served just neat if you really want to get creative with some fresh herbs or um, citrus peel, but uh, even on ice. So but people are making really creative things. I think I recently had a pina colada made with Braulio called an alpina colada, and it was great. You can get creative. I think it's important to talk about the differentiation between um, people get really caught up on their regulations of other spirits and having to have certain regionalities and having to have certain alcohol percentages and certain stylistic characteristics to be categorized. But Amaro is sort of just this full of mystery and history, kind of wild west. And so there aren't a lot of regulations. And the only really way to know um, how to categorize something is to sort of know the, the creator's intention. So whether it's an aperitivo or a digestivo, it needs to be created, drank in the way that the, intent, the creator intended. And so that's before dinner with a spritz or after dinner as neat um, to digest. And so there's just a lot of room for interpretation there. So it's an adventure and I encourage people to go on it, go to your local Amaro bar or Italian restaurant and peruse their shelves and don't be afraid to try something that you haven't ever heard of before. Like I don't see anybody walking into a bar and seeing uh, um, Chinar specifically with just a, an artichoke on the label and saying, oh, well, what is that? I want to try that. So it's it's great for people to be curious and learn about it. And um, there's a lot of reason that this has outlasted time in this way, that these liqueurs are so timeless. So, you know, we should continue to move it forward. Olivia, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to talk to us today about Amari. Thank you. Great to meet you both. And now we'll hear from a professional bartender about how Amaro is used behind the bar. Gary White from Denmark on High, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thanks. How do you use Amaro in a cocktail? You know, there's a, a variety of different ways. Amaro is one of my absolute favorite spirit categories. Um, bar, back bar at Denmark, I probably have 
20 or 30 at least. Um, and there's, there's just such a wide variety of category. Um, and there's such a, a great way to kind of tweak a cocktail around. The first thing I think of whenever I do is I use it in like an old fashioned build. So um, where an old fashioned is two parts spirit, a couple of dashes of, spirit, of uh, bitters uh, and just a dash of uh, some type of syrup. I'll take that um, that uh, initial part, that spirit part that's two ounces, break that to an ounce and a half and add like a half ounce of Amaro uh, to make up the difference and then mix the cocktail that way. It gives it a really kind of bitter backbone. Uh, but then you kind of got to know the different characters that your specific Amaros have. You know, some of them are more citrus, some of them are more um, vegetal, some of them are more like evergreeny. It just kind of really depends. Some of them are coffee. I mean, um, uh, Averna is a great example of that. Um, so that's the first way I use it in, in an old fashioned build. Um, the other way that I like to use it is in a Manhattan build um, and to just kind of flip around the Manhattan recipe. So two, one, two is the traditional Manhattan recipe. And that's two parts of spirit, one part of some type of fortified wine or sweet vermouth, and then two to three dashes of bitters. Um, what I like to do is then take, or what a lot of people do, will either take the Amaro or the, excuse me, vermouth out completely and substitute in Amaro. That's a really common substitute on the black Manhattan. So um, Averna is used in place of the uh, sweet vermouth to make the black Manhattan. Sometimes black walnut bitters is used as the other bittering ingredient, kind of flip it around. So that's a really good way to kind of uh, flip the, the uh, Amaro around as well. Um, the equal parts build is the classic Negroni build. Um, also a good way to kind of uh, mess around with it. And by equal parts, I mean that there are equal portions of all of the different liquors in there. Um, the Negroni being the classic example, equal parts gin, sweet vermouth, and Campari. Um, you can flip that recipe on its head really, really quickly by swiping around the, the two uh, other ingredients, or all three ingredients, really. Uh, but if you want to go uh, switching out the sweet vermouth to some kind of other wine, like lay is a good source, uh, a good flip on that or other like different uh, fortified wines or uh, flavored wines. And then the Amaro, you can flip to something like Aperol or Pichot's has a great Aperitifo. Um, the other way that I like to use Amaro's is in more of a spritz kind of quality. Um, so the traditional uh, Aperol spritz build is a what, what, what we call a step down build. So it's three, two, one. Uh, so three parts of uh, your champagne in this instance, two parts of Aperol and one part of soda to kind of fill the thing out. Um, that's the kind of shortcut to the Aperol spritz. But you can flip any Amaro into where that Aperol is and all of a sudden you have a Prohulio spritz or a Fernet spritz or a, you know, and the list goes on and on. Um, those are some of the quick ways that I like to flip the thing around. Uh, those are pretty common um, kind of twists on cocktails that we use as well. I've never moment. thought about doing a different type of spritz. I like that idea yeah. a lot. Low proof. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's a great, um, it's a great way to, to let the quality of the individual Amaro shine because there's not, I mean, a whole lot of other, you know, things going on there. I mean, it really kind of will end up making whatever that base ingredient is. Uh, shine through uh, the the rest of the cocktail, so you really get a sense of what the Amaro itself is like. And the other way I like to do Amaro is, I mean, on the rocks. It's really just it's a great sipper. You know, some of them drink better than other. I mean, they have like a, a variety of different uh, proofs, um, so it really kind of depends on that. But yeah, I mean, a lot of times, just a little bit of Amaro on the rocks will hit the spot. 
So this might be an impossible question to answer, but given that you mentioned that Amaro's have such different flavor profiles, for someone who doesn't really know that much about Amaro, how would the home bartender go about choosing just like a baseline Amaro? And where to start? Yeah, where do you? Start? You know, that's uh, that's that's a really that's a good it's a question I get all the time because it is kind of a. a to get the answer, you almost have to step into the rabbit hole a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, Amaro's are hard to describe their flavor, like specific flavor profile. A lot of times, I mean, you can get kind of around about like, well, once someone knows what an Amaro is, it's a lot easier to kind of be like, this one's more vegetal or this one's more, um, you know, minty or, you know, so they each have those different kind of qualities. Um, and it's just a matter of kind of knowing what you like. Um, as far as a baseline, it really depends on where you go. A lot of people will say Campari is like the big, bad, like Amaro. And it, it depends on what you're going for. Um, Averna is one of my all-time favorites, but that's real coffee-driven. Um, so if you want one that's real coffee-driven, definitely Averna is the way to go. Um, if you want one that's more minty-driven uh, or like kind of evergreeny type flavors, I really like Brolio. It's one of my personal favorites. Uh, Amaro Nino is absolutely lovely. Um, kind of almost like berry qualities in that one almost like a strawberry kind of quality um so you really kind of almost need to know a little bit about and it, it, the unfortunate thing about tomorrow's is you almost need to buy a whole bottle to figure it out and sometimes you like them and sometimes you don't um it's the easiest way is to come to some place that has a really great selection of tomorrow's and that would be denmark on high <laughs> shots next time we're there good point Boom. But so let's say I'm a home bartender and I want to make a black Manhattan. What tomorrow should I buy? Averna. Averna. Averna tomorrow. Absolutely. Um, in all honesty, if I could pick just, I mean, if I, I don't know. I don't know if I would be able to just pick one, but Averna would be definitely top five, if not top three in my tomorrow's selections. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's my favorite sub mixing category. Um, might be one of my favorite spirits spirit selection spirit categories in, in general we've actually been working on a uh the idea of doing like an amaro flight or like a house cordial flight so i like might... that mm -hmm. I yeah, like yeah, yeah i do too because i think that the interest is there yeah. on those things i mean for this I mean, and, and it is a kind of like a mystery um in a lot of ways to some people and it's something that you kind of do gotta experience to really understand well, Gary White with Denmark on High, thank you so much. This has been very informative. We appreciate it. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. You guys have a great day. Cheers. Cheers. Listeners, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Seabus Craft Cocktail Tour. Visit our website at ColumbusCraftCocktailTour.com for cocktail tour dates, women in whiskey tastings, special events, merchandise, and if you're looking for a gift for that special person in your life, get them a gift card to our cocktail tour. Thank you to the biographer for our original music. And please remember to drink responsibly and be cocktail curious. Cheers. Cheers.